Okay. Before we commence, let us take a moment to pay homage to the Lord Buddha, the merciful one, the magnificent one, the fully awakened one, he who guides us to our liberation, our teacher. Let us remind ourselves that this is also a pledge that we take upon ourselves to achieve the result that is represented by what you are just about to utter. Let us take a moment to do that then. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato Samma Sambuddhasa. I'm going to jot something down on the board. And I want you to ask yourself a question. So let's see what it is first. Can you see that? No. Hmm? Have a party. Can you see that on the back? Yeah? Oh, 2020. No, not the World Cup. I mean vision. Have a party. That's what it says. Okay? I'll write a few more. Can you read them? Okay, put one more. Right. Now it's question time. Can the camera see this? Otherwise our online listeners will not know what we're talking about. We can. Okay. In any case, go to the moon, have a party, not in that particular order. Go on a trip, bake a cake and have a pet. Fancy that to be able to have a pet on the moon one day, eh? Well, you're telling me what happened? Huh? <laughs> what about baking a cake? Think it won't happen on the moon? Of course it will. Right. So, question time then. Let's take one that we've all done, at least in this birth. Otherwise, we won't be able to pick one. Right? One that you haven't done. So, let's take one that we've all done on this, in this birth. Have a party. Have a party, throw a party, whatever. Question is, we must always do things with a purpose. Do you all agree that you only do things with a purpose? Or do you just, you know, get out of bed and just walk out of your house? Someone asks you, where are you going? I don't know. Just wandering. In which case your house is, what? Hmm? It's called the mental asylum. It is, that is what you do when you get out of bed. But having a party, question is, what is the purpose? So this is not about should you, shouldn't you. It's simply about what is the purpose. 
What is the purpose of having a party? When you feel like you have a party, you want to have a party. Can you go back in time to that sort of time in your mind? Last time you had a party? Either at the workplace, home, right? Dues. We've got well, Christmas coming up pretty soon. So yeah, people have Christmas dues. New Year dues. What do they have? Vesak dues now? So when people want to have a party, when you want to have a party, think about emotionally how you felt about that. Unless, of course, you know, you are peculiar, like me. And, you know, you only have a party because people that you live with, people that you work with, require that you do so. And then, you know, to tick some boxes so that they still let you stay at home without paying rent. Then they... You know, you have to have the party. But, if we're being honest to ourselves, you know, I've been there, done that. So, you know, I have every right to talk about this because I know the feeling. So, the last time I wanted to have a party, I recall the emotional connection that I had towards them. And today I ask myself, What was the purpose of me doing it then? Not purpose from today's perspective, but purpose from that day's perspective. Why did I want to have the party then? I wanted to have a party because there was a problem that I needed to fix. I liked company. Hmm? Human beings, we like company. It's It's a characteristic of being a sentient being. You like company. They say bad company and fish stink after three days. But we like company. We like to have companionship. It doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel right when you're all by yourself because you feel loneliness. You feel like there should be someone with whom you can share your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions. You can share a laugh. You feel like there should be someone you can share your, your culinary skills, show it off. And it's nice when your relations, your friends come over and you, know, you have a chat as I say, a good old chinwag about the things that you've been up to, right? how the country's doing, not just this country, but every other country in the world, and how the economy is doing, how so-and-so's daughter ran away with so-and-so's son. You know, all these things that we must keep ourselves up to date about. We like to have a good conversation. So, that's why we have a party. And a party is, of course, another time for us to enjoy ourselves. So, we have entertainment, food, drink, dance, music, games, yeah? All these things. 
So just go back in, my, in time to the last time you were in a party. Think about all the things you did then. Think about the things that you said. How you enjoyed yourself. What a party that was. So what was the purpose? You felt like there was something within you. Okay? Let me know if you disagree. You felt like, the, I'm, I'm talking about the average Joe here, okay? I'm not talking about the Anagarikas and Anagarikas, either resident here or resident at home. Okay, because I know we have two types of Anagarikas and Anagarikas who come to the monastery. Can you hear me? Hmm? Okay. There are two types of Anagarikas and Anagarikas at the monastery. Those who reside here and those who are still at home. In which case, if I ask you to raise your hands, if you're an Anagarika or an Anagarika, probably most of you will put your hands up and say, yes, count me in, Swami Nansa. So I'm talking about the average Joe. The average person, think about you before you became, you know, the so-called Anagarika. But there'll still be some of you who are still, you know, in this sort of, on both sides of the world, you know, one foot on this, in this camp, another foot in that camp, right? Still trying to figure out which one's right, which way to go about this. So in any case, having a party, you had a party, why did you have this party? I believe that the reason you had this party was because it was not, it was not like you had something physically wrong about yourself that you thought a, only a party could fix. So it's not really because you were hungry. That's not why you had a party. It's not because you had, an, you had an itch. That's not why you have a party. It's not because you wanted shelter. That's not why you had a party. It's not because you needed somewhere to sit. That's not why you had a party. Truth be told, you had a party because deep inside of you, you felt that there was a void that could only be filled if you had that party. That's why you had the party and you didn't bake a cake at that time or go on a trip at that time. I want you to engage with me on this. Go back to that moment in time where the thought occurred to you and then you started to organize that. We've all done that, yeah? No one's from Mars. They say men are from Mars and women are from Venus. But hopefully here, everyone is from the planet Earth. <clears throat> As I am. Okay. So when we needed that party, we felt that it was only the party that could fix that problem. Yes or no? How do we know this? Yes, because the party happened. Because the party happened. Only the party could fix it. So once the mind was fixed on the fact that it is only a party that can make me happy now, the party somehow had to happen. And didn't it? Yes, it did. Once that thought occurred to you, 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 were, you were a force of attraction. You were a real force. You began to attract everything that was needed to create a party. 
because the party wasn't there until you came, you walked into the picture. Now your friends were just going about doing their own thing. Your family, your children, you know, they were just doing their own thing. Right? And then this thought occurred to you, hmm, been a while, we should probably have a party. And then see how much force you could muster. From that point forward, folks, right? <laughs> from that point forward, you were able to alter the course of life for so many people around you. Agreed or not? The thought only occurred in your mind, but you altered the course of life for so many people around you. Perhaps because of your party. Now today, someone's going to die three years younger because you fed him too much cholesterol. Or maybe he had too much to drink at the party. Maybe too much to eat at the party. Maybe someone was going to remain celibate throughout their lives, but you decided to have a party. <laughs> huh? What happened then? A party is a place where strangers come to mingle. Hmm? So they came and they mingled. And now someone who had decided that I was going to, that they were going to remain celibate for their, the rest of their lives is now with a partner. Now they have two times as many problems to solve as they did before coming to your party. Little did they know. But you were supposed to solve their problems, weren't you? By throwing that party, inviting them. You know, you send the invitation card, you know, we're going to have a party or send a text message these days. You don't send invitation cards. You know, you send, just send, send a text message. Right? Throw in a party. Right? Bring you a self and a plus one. So came along with their plus one. Then they swapped with someone else's plus one. Huh? <laughs> Isn't that right? Huh? Then someone else's plus one went away with their plus one. Right? So hopefully everyone who came to the party went back. Hopefully. Perhaps some of them stayed behind. <laughs> these things can happen. These things have happened. And these things will happen. Because for as long as the mind thinks that the only thing that can make it happy is a party. The party will happen. And didn't it? Oh yes, it did. If this mind was not fixed on the fact that the party has to happen, it wouldn't have. Because remember, no one else wanted it. I'm, I'm talking about an instance in which you were the one who felt like it had to happen. Hmm? Are you all saints and that has never happened in your life? You've never felt the need to organize a party? Huh? Aren't you like me? Yeah, we're all one in this, yeah? we're all in the same game, all, you know, same fish in the same sea. So we all were there, we were all there, we all needed that, we all felt that there's a party that could, that could fix me. And the party happened. And as I said, the course of life changed for so many people, perhaps the reason that some of you know each other is because that party happened. Perhaps because that party happened, you've come here today with the person who sat next to you. Had the party hadn't happened, perhaps you'd have come here with somebody else. A single instance, a single occurrence, a single event 
can redraw our course of life entirely as if you were as if you were born after death the whole course of life can change you know one day i was asked to go to a party and so i did knocked on the door door opened i'd only seen them once before but they invited me to the party so i went in i had some i think it was a cake or something i brought took with me and then gave it to them went and found a seat so we were having a you know just a good old chit chat and then after a while more people started coming in so you know as you do you know we are polite people we wish them hello good morning how are things how's doing sorry now it's good morning it was good evening at the time right and wishing each other and greeting all new faces never seen any of them before except for the hosts who i'd seen once before right there was another gentleman who came in said hello macha right about half an hour later this gentleman goes and takes a seat in front of all of us and then he says samantha chakravalesu <laughs> that party changed my life strange some parties really weird very odd that party changed my life so much that was the last party i had <laughs> i didn't know what i was invited for i thought it was going to be a party <laughs> so i had dressed appropriately what can i say <laughs> i won't say any more and now i'm an extremist <laughs> so you see a party one party one party can change the course of life this is because the mind believes that to be happy it needs to have this party so it is really the mind that attracts the things that you see around you the events that happen to you all the things that you go through in life it is a need that makes the rest of it happen so good question i'll come to it uh, through the course of the sermon okay when the mind needs something it will somehow find a way to make it happen because the mind is such a powerful thing that everything you see around you folks the mind is the architect you know what do you think is the most powerful thing in the world i should have asked you that question before i started talking about the mind <laughs> okay so just pretend that i hadn't explained all this to you okay If I ask you now what is the most powerful thing in the world some of your answers might have something like atom bombs nuclear bombs they are the most powerful things in the world they're powerful aren't they they can destroy entire continents can't they you know uh, someone said recently if i think it was guruhandro he said if we ever have a third world war the second we had right next one is the third world war right 
there were someone was debating you know in the th- in the third world war what would people fight with each other what weapons would people use to engage in the third world war and uh, so someone was having this discussion and uh, the answer that came back was not sure about the third but if you ever do have a third then in the fourth world war people will be throwing pebbles at each other stones and rocks how come yes <laughs> because the third world war will incinerate everything else leaving behind only weapons used by prehistoric man so that's how advanced advanced within air quotes that's how advanced today's weaponry is right and so we it's fair to say that we believe that these weapons these nuclear bombs nuclear weapons they are the most powerful things you know what was the nato established for i think it was to prevent the the use of uh, nuclear weaponry against you know in in future when people have this you know when people when people haven't listened to the buddha dhamma when people are unfortunate enough to be here or they haven't subscribed to jetanaram we have buddhist monastery <laughs> on youtube so nuclear weapons are the most powerful things on the planet how did they come about Mm-hmm. see the mind which needed something something like this so on here you have have a party go to the moon go on a trip bake a cake have a pet and so on you know we can have plenty more it would have been something like this you know the words would be different different nouns but it'll sim- it'll be similar things i want to have my own country I want to have my own state like I want to have my own pet I want to bake my own cake similar things You know you think this is something so innocent hmm? but fighting for territorial inter- integrity is something so big in comparison no it's all the same as much as you want a cake someone wants to ensure that their country remains intact someone wants to ensure that they can encroach another one another man's country and call it theirs someone wants to someone wants to ensure that they can become ruler of not just one territorial portion of land but more and so on so when someone wants another country or if someone wants to be the ruler someone wants to be a dictator someone wants to go and take other people's land whatever if they're willing to go as far as if that mind right so ignore the they part if that mind is willing to go ahead and create nuclear weaponry are you telling me that you won't do it for this it can happen for this also because after all one is a cake the other is a piece of land what's the difference just depends on how badly you want it that's all it is just depends how badly you want it tell me you know in school 
you would have had fights at school <clears throat> you know in your school days fights with your friends fights with people who then went on to become friends fights with friends who then were the last time they you call them friends right have you never fought for something so so insignificant maybe a toffee or a chocolate right or maybe a seat hmm? you don't fight for that here but think about you know back in the day donkeys yes huh? donkeys yes right did you not fight for did you not argue did you not you know fight for the seat that you had reserved these are proud moments in your life i'm just reminding you imagine remember that time when you went you got into the bus you left your bag then you just nipped out for something very quick and you came back and someone had taken that seat or you were at the concert or you were at the at the at the at the cinema and you had reserved your seat someone came in and they'd taken your seat just think about when you needed something so badly the extent to which you were prepared to go to regain to to acquire to possess something that you felt you needed so badly so when the mind wants something folks there's no saying how far the mind is willing to go there's no telling how far the mind is willing to go to get it we've seen complete and utter destruction in the face of when the mind wants something it really needs thankfully the mind doesn't want a cake so bad just yet it doesn't want to go on a trip so bad just yet but there will be a day when someone will want to go to the moon when someone will want to have a party go on a trip whatever buy a car will get a house get married do you know the kind of things people do when they want to get married to the person that they want to be with they'll say it's in the name of love people can hate in the name of love do you see the irony in that hate is always in the name of love never else do you hate it's always in the name of love you love something so much that you begin to hate everything that stands in the way of you getting the thing that you love that is how hate came into being it wasn't love it wasn't hate that first came so chicken egg some you're not sure which one came first hate love i can tell you which one came first love came first when love came immediately afterwards hate came along that's the way it happened so when the mind believes that this is one thing that can make it's happy it will go to whatever length to get it we'll talk about what the connection of vipaka is in a moment to all this think about when you know even if it's not hurting someone else just think about all the effort that you went through to get it right most of you in the house will have been married in your life go back to your wedding day go back to all the things that you planned for that wedding you know right from i want to be with this person to still paying the debt or at least right you getting into that car and being driven out of the uh hotel or the uh the venue 
all the things that you went through to make it happen you know folks please understand this this is the point i'm trying to get across to you you didn't go through all that for the person that you love hmm although you will dress it up in that it wasn't for the person that you love it was simply it was simply a demonstration of how vexed the mind was gents you would have had to go and ask for her hand maybe from her or maybe from her father Hmm? Go back to that situation. Remind yourself how you dressed up for the event. How many times did you go and stand in front of the mirror just to make sure that you were properly dressed for that? Remember how you had to arrange that. You know how you could. You had to approach the. prospective father in law so that you could go and ask him right you had to make sure that he would receive you in the right manner so therefore you had to present yourself in the right manner so somehow you arranged uh, an appointment and you went right now you have to prove yourself to this almighty god who stands in front of you hmm? who has the keys to your happiness yeah who holds the key to your happiness right he and he alone gets to decide whether you shall live happily or die trying so you walked up to him and you went and then he said sa 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 oh ta 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 uncle huh? you know you put yourself through all that if i ask you why did you do it you might say today because of my undying love for her it was my love for her was it could it was incomparable to anything it was the most pure thing on this world i would go to the moon and back for her you know these are the things that you would even tell her you would say you know th- this much i did for you and today you treat me like this huh ladies don't fall for that okay if ever if ever a man should come up to you and say after all these things i've done for you is this how you treat me right i'm arming yourself you see yourselves with the right weapons you can say no no you didn't do all that for me that's how far a vexatious mind you had and that's how far you were willing to go to free yourself from that vexation there are some young doers in the house hmm? it's too late now the parents have brought them in so they'll hear what i have to say people will come up to you and say all sorts of things to your face because they want to look nice in front of you they want to look like the hero like the romeo because they believe that you are their juliet and 
And then they'll come up and sing all sorts of lies. But they don't know that they're lying. So you can't really call them a liar, or at least a liar who knows they're lying. But they'll come up and say all sorts of things. How do I know this? <clears throat> Let's not go there. That begones, begones. Right? Let's, not, let's not go there. It's water under the bridge. Let's not talk about that. But they'll say all sorts of things. They'll say, what do they say? I can't remember. <laughs> you are the only one for me. At that moment, they forget how many times they've said that. Because you can isolate yourself in this world, you know, you are alone in this world at that time, you and that person, you know, it's like in the movies, right? When you see that, when they, you know, that eyes meet for the first time, right? The entire background goes out of focus, doesn't it? Hmm? It, it kind of really happens. Why do I teach you to suck eggs? <laughs> Amin has to tell us something we don't know. <laughs> right? So the entire background goes out of focus. Right? So it feels like there are only two living beings on this planet. Right? All other living things have become extinct. For that brief moment, you and the other person are the only two people alive. That's why you believe that you can go and live anywhere. You can go and do anything. The, the whole world you feel is your oyster. Hmm? No one's going to get in the way. You, feel, you believe, you, you, you feel all these things and you keep telling you, yourself all these things and you believe all that nonsense. And what's better, you, you feed all this to the person in front of you. And if they're so gullible as to believe everything you're going to say, that's why you should bring your daughters here. Because they're meant and due to hear these things in future. If you don't believe me, folks, I come and spend some time here at the monastery. You'll be surprised of all the stories you get to hear. Hmm. Last night, one of our Swami says came up to me. About 10 o'clock it was. I said, what's up? He said, Swami my cousin. Yes, what about your cousin? He's run away with a girl. He's what? Run away with a girl. How old is he? 17. And the girl? 15. Well, like your cousin, no, it's a distant cousin, but run away. Do you sure you're not going to run away? Oh, looking so innocent now, huh? Yeah, so was she. If you would ask her parents the same question as I ask you now, mothers, hmm? if I'd ask that daughter's or that that doer's mother, do you think your daughter would ever? What would you, what do you think she would have said? Never. No, she wouldn't say never, sir, madam. She'd say never. She'd say, "How dare you, Swami Nansen. My daughter." Who do you think I am? They'll ask me. How insulting, how insinuating, they might say. 
you'll feel offended. Mm. I say, wait for it. So I, I was speaking with this Swaminathan and asked him, how did all this happen? So this cousin of his had met this girl. Uh, you know where? Hmm? Hmm? Cartoon? Party? <laughs> no, something like a party at a Dhamma school. Not you, Magga. No, Magga. So they meant at the Nomagadama school. As I say, don't go Nomaga. Huh? Where is Yumaga? That's our slogan. So they had met at the Dhamma school. Hmm? And uh, they'd exchange phone numbers. So you should equip your children with these devices, you know, because just in case they have to run away sometime, you know. Yeah, leave a message or at least, you know, GPS so you know where you're going. And it's good to take them on trips from time to time because at least they know they're way around the country, right? Yeah. You should take them on trips every now and then. And usually, they, they, you know, those are the places they go to. Where you go on trips, right? <laughs> Because, you know, those are the names that will first come to their mind, won't they? Hmm. This, so they, this pair, they'd go into Polonnaru. Run away, eloped. So the parents are in such a state, you can imagine. Hmm? So please try and imagine because you need to prepare yourselves. Hmm? I'm sounding like Guru Hamru now, don't I? So you should prepare yourselves, hmm? mothers, fathers. And uh, so I asked him, are they safe? Well, they're safe, but, I said, but what? The girl's father is the village thug. So he'd rung this boy's mother hmm, and had said some nasty and terrible things. So now there's a death threat. What is worse than, worse than a warrant? Hmm, a death threat. So now there's a death threat. So the father has said, the girl's father, if I find this boy who took my innocent girl, oh, very innocent, if I find this, because my only daughter, and she was the apple of my eye, I looked after her, doted on her, and she would never have done something like this if not for that boy, of course, always point the finger outwards. Right? The parents are not responsible for that, are they? No, 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 no. Because the parents, you know, they did everything for the child, didn't they? 
they looked after her they fed her they clothed her right they gave her shelter they gave her good education right they taught her math they taught her science they taught her geography they taught her biology they taught her chemistry they taught her physics right now she can live happily can't she but of course being the village thug you know he wouldn't take her to the temple or to listen to some this nonsense that we talk about every week meaningless junk <clears throat> what good is any of this stuff is it all negative stuff talking about death and disease and decay huh? lamentation and sorrow and fear and grief and uh, like the weather outside <laughs> so gloomy huh you talk about something more positive right like fun and parties and songs and music and dance and food right and games like you have at a party so now this father is threatening in his in his own words so the mother had heard this and uh, so now that that boy is living in a state of shock because when the mother answered the phone she'd put it on loudspeaker and the boy had heard everything you know poor 17 year old guy he doesn't know the first thing about fending for himself let alone you know looking after a girl of 15 right and uh, so the father had said if i catch this boy he said mark my words i'm going to break his legs i'm going to break his arms and then i'll give him back to you if i catch him for what he did to my daughter so this swaminarayan said came to me last night and for about a whole 2 hours we were talking about what we can do now to help this these two young children and the threat goes even further if you inform the police if you inform the police about this because you know if the police gets to know then the whole village gets to know right the police will come looking for the girl and then the you know then the girl will not the girl's parents will no longer be able to maintain her innocence her innocence right so the word will get out and then everyone will know that she she's been up to or at least the people will start to they they always guess the worst don't they you always suspect the worst has happened and uh, what's even worse is now the the father wants the the daughter to get a a check done right can i leave it at that yeah she wants he wants the the daughter the girl to have a check done but she's refusing she vehemently refuses for whatever reason we don't know the father doesn't know the mother doesn't know but she won't let them do it she says no i don't want that so you can imagine the the state of mind these parents are in now and you can imagine the state of mind in which this boy's mother must be in now to add fuel to the fire the boy's parents separated a while ago so now the mother is all on her own the father has given up on the family so now you know they're not together 
So the mother has to look after the boy and be responsible for everything. So that's the situation that this, these two young children are in at the moment. Fear not, none of this has happened to your children. Oh, I forget to add a three-letter word at the end. Ah, thank you. This is just one incident. Now that boy can't go back to his home because the girl's father is out to get him. She can't report, report this to the police because if, he, if she does so, now the police is going to go and then you know, speak to the father and the father is going to find out and then things are going to get ugly. Poor mother, she's all by herself, no one to help her make her decisions and the right choices. She's not, she's not, you know, she's not wealthy, she's not powerful, she's not connected to people, no, she's just there to fend for herself. In all this, folks, I only see one mistake. I only see one mistake. What was that? She should have locked the door at night, shouldn't she? She should have tied him to his bed, shouldn't he do? When her son went to sleep. Hmm? That's what she should have done, right? Oh, no, no, no. She should have castrated her son. One thing she should have done, she didn't do. She didn't do what her sister had done with her son. Because the Swami Nansi says, funny you say that, Swami Nansi, he tells me, because when I and my two brothers left home with, my, with our parents' blessings to come to the sasana, all three of them. When I and my two brothers left home to come to the sasana, my cousin's parents, they dished us. They said, nonsense these people, what are they going to do? Ruining the children's lives. Did you catch that? Ruining these young children's lives, ordaining at such a young age, hmm? haven't even completed their education yet. Hmm? They haven't even started to earn a living yet. What do they know about life? So they, she decided to keep her children home and teach them everything about life. Apparently she's done that. Hmm. <laughs> That's I, I don't know, you know, how 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 mothers or fathers please don't take this the wrong way, I don't mean to offend anyone. I don't know how mothers or fathers who've who've had to separate from their partners at some point, you know, from their spouses at some point, 
can continue to tell their children or I wouldn't say force, but at least, you know, to influence, yes, thank you, to influence their children to go and do the same thing that they've done, they've done and you know, it all went completely berserk. How they can do that is just beyond me. But, you know, that's a personal problem that I'm trying to try and work out. I don't know, my brain isn't capable enough of processing that for some reason. Maybe in future I will. I always, you know, it's my fault. <laughs> don't wish the it was easier. Wish you were better. I always keep telling myself. So I'm trying to improve myself, try and you know, increase my uh, mental capacity to try and understand that problem. But my point being, folks, when the mind wants something, it'll go to any length to get it. Now, at that point, the, 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 the two children didn't think for a moment about all the things that their parents had done for them, did they? All of that out the window. They didn't think about what would happen to my mother, what would happen to my father. The girl didn't think about this. In fact, the girl didn't think about the fact that her father is a thug. Right? You know, you can't be a thug in secret. Right? Everyone knows. It's a village thug. Right? So the girl knew about this, but look what, when she said yes to that boy, hmm, didn't she open the gates of hell on earth to that young boy? When she said yes, let's run away. So all in the name of love. All in the name of love. You might feel, Swaminas, these are extreme examples, aren't they? How do they relate to me? You will only keep saying that until, until. Because if that mother was to come and sit down here, well, actually, if she would come here, I wouldn't have to do the sermon from there on. She will come and give you the sermon. She will tell you what you need to do. She will tell you what she didn't do, but she should have done. And she will tell you about all the consequences and the lessons that she's had to learn today through her own mistakes. Because when the mind wants something, folks, please bear this in mind, it doesn't matter how old that mind has been living inside this body. So just because your child is young, don't think that they're innocent. Innocentness has nothing to do with age. And Arahant is innocent. Innocentness can only be defined as a function of how little or how less the mind is vexed. The more vexed the mind is, that's not an innocent mind. It's a very dangerous mind. So whenever the mind wants one of these things, it'll go to any length to get it. And when the mind wants something, it will forget all the other things that were challenges, obstacles that stood in the way. See, this boy, had he waited until he was 18, completed his education at least, right? completed his education and gone up to his parents and said, you know, mother, there's this girl that I like. Please, can you arrange that for me? There would have been some chance of that happening at least. But when the mind wants something so bad, right? he can't even wait. For the next three years, the girl is 15, I said that, didn't I? Yeah, so he can't wait for the next three years 
Because when he wants something, he wants it when? Tomorrow? Now. Now. The reason for that is the mind that needs something arose just now. That's why it wants it now. Tomorrow is not fine because that's not the same mind. It's not the same chitta. It's another chitta. So it wants it now. That's why, you know, you need to understand why when you tell your children, you know, Buddha, wait until tomorrow, I'll go and get you that chicken biryani. You know, we can't go now, it's 12 o'clock at night. Wait, we'll get it tomorrow. If this child does not understand about the world and how things work, how things operate, and the fact that, you know, clothes, shops are not open all the time, you know, around the clock, and if their vexation is not filtered by this this knowledge, then it's simply that vexation that torments them. And then they will roll on the floor, cry, tear your hair out, asking for what they need. You know, as kids, when you, you know, of course, you know, most of you will have had kids, you know, just go back and remember that time when they wanted something, you said you have to wait for it, you have to wait for your birthday, you have to wait until you pass your exams, you have to wait till tomorrow, you have to wait till next week. You can't get it just when you ask for, ask for something. Why is this world becoming more and more instant? Hmm? There's instant everything now, isn't there? Those days you were fine to order something today and wait for the delivery next month. But today, you order it in the morning, it has to arrive in two hours. And it won't stop there. It won't stop there. It hasn't stopped there so much so that you can now buy now and pay later. <laughs> Just think about why those things have come about, ladies and gentlemen. Please think about this. Look at, you know, we can think that our economy, our finances, our, our financial models, they're so advanced that we can now buy now and pay later. You think that's an, that's an indication of human advancement? You think so? Human advancement is buy now, pay later? No. Those days, if you wanted something and you couldn't afford it, you, have, you waited. You waited it out. Sometimes all that waiting and you thought, no, pointless, why wait so long? No, no point, you know, I don't want it. If I have to wait so long, just let it go, don't want it. Or in that time period, you know, other things happened in your life. And you were fine. But you can't do that now. The invention of the credit card is not an indication that we are an advanced species. It is an indication that we are on the decline. Spiritually, mentally, psychologi psychologically, we are on the decline. Our mental strength, our mental stamina is reducing day by day. If people were allowed to you know, go and live in the supermarket, I think people would choose that. Because when you want it, it will be there. People can't wait because everything has to be instant, instant gratification. I need you to understand why this happens because it's only when you understand why it happens you can break this addiction that you have. For It is an addiction. Trust me, it is an addiction. It's like drugs. The more you do it, the more you want it, right? Huh? Same way. The more you, the faster you get something, the faster you are relieved of a vexation, the faster you are able to gratify yourself, the even faster you want to do it next time. 
the faster you will want to do it next time. It becomes an addiction. So you need to be able to break because where's the limit? Where are you going to draw the line? It's not about, you know, well, for as long as we can afford it for us, for as long as the world has resources, then should we worry about it, Swami Nansa? Because, you know, yes, the world's run out, going to run out of oil, the world's going to run out of natural resources. You know, apparently in the next 50 years, we're going to run out of easily extractable uh, oil reserves. Right? So you'll say, so it's 50 years, Swami I'm not going to be there by that time. That's not the point. It's not whether you're going to be there at that time or not. Think about the state of mind that you're in to want something like that. It's not whether you can have it or not. It's the fact that you want it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Think about the amount of mental vexation that the mind is in. See, these things when you want it, Answer the question, did you not achieve it? The only reason you are still on earth is because you still haven't wanted to go to the moon. That's why you're still here. If you really, really, really wanted it, you and I would never have met. Because there was one day, one man, he wanted to go to the moon. And guess what? He did. And since then, men have wanted to go to the moon. And they're working to, to get that done. There are others who want to go to Mars. And they're working on that. Recently, you know, they, now they've invented space travel, haven't they? Commercial space travel. How wonderful. I've got nothing against invention. All I have is a problem with this mind suffering, folks. That's, that's my only enemy. That is the only thing I have a problem with. If the mind was able to do that without vexation, I'm all for it. I'll also jump on the bandwagon. But the mind is suffering, the mind is vexing. What is the point if man gets to go to the moon if the mind is still vexing? What's the point? So what, you know, in a few years' time, it'll not be enough to go to the moon. It'll not be enough to go to Mars. It'll, you'll need to go to Saturn, to the end of this solar system. And then you'll need to, people will want to go to the, you know, to the next galaxy and see what that's like. Already they're, they're exploring you know, what else is there. And fortunately, thankfully, they say the, 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 this universe is infinite. And even better news, you know what? It's constantly expanding. Thank God for that. <laughs> so for as long as the human species exists, we'll always have something to explore. Because the universe is expanding. Things are moving further and further apart from each other. And while all that is going on, your house is on fire. And that seems to be okay. The roof above your head is on fire. It's about to collapse. It's an inferno you're in right now, and it's okay. Because as long as, you know, we can keep our minds occupied and busy about what's out there, what's, you know, far outer space, that's all right. 
as long as we can find ways to travel faster and faster and faster and faster and faster that's okay isn't it first they had horses because we wanted to go faster then we got on the motor vehicle because we wanted to go faster then came the locomotive because we wanted to go faster then came the jets because we wanted to go faster and alongside that came the bullet trains fancy names they are they bullet trains they go like bullets you can go fast I don't think man will be ever happy until he reaches the speed of light. He'll keep looking. He'll keep searching. He'll keep exploring until he can travel as fast as light. Because right now they say that is the fastest you can go. That is the only reason. you know that's what we are like right once you set a target you have to somehow achieve it when they said the uh, you know the atom is the most indivisible uh, element right then you had to divide until you got to the atom and then after you split the atom you know oh right now you can keep going further right now let's keep going further then this is the nature of a mind that is vexed Why don't people stop to think about that? Why am I not enough? Why is it not enough? Why am I never satisfied with doing something? Why do I have to keep going and going and going and going and going? How many places have you been to now on holiday? Have you how many places have you gone on trips? And yet still it's still not enough. Why don't we stop to ask ourselves the question, when is it enough? When is it enough? Because until you answer that question, folks, you are never happy. But if I ask you why do you go on that trip? Why do you bake that cake? Why did you throw that party? Unashamedly people will throw the answer. You know, for free because it's free. Now you can just say anything you want. It's free, right? Free speech. So you can just say anything you want. Oh, because, you know, that is my happiness. That's what I do for happiness. all along the truth remains that the mind is still vexed and every time you feed a vexing mind every time you keep feeding it it nourishes that ignorance is fortified and the more it wants the more it the, the less it is satisfied the less it is made content and the more it wants it's like you know take imagine you had a rubber ball a sponge of some sort and he put a clamp around it and he kept turning the clamp and he kept turning it and turning it and turning and tightening it hmm? every time you tighten it gives you hope that you can tighten it a bit more yeah every time you tighten it you feel like i can tighten a bit more even if you were to do it on something solid right say you were you tightened it tight took a clamp and tightened it around a piece of wood right if you are able to turn it just one tiny bit you know that last bit that last turn you still feel oh so i could do it that time means i can probably do it another time and you do it one more time at least you try but every time you do it the more energy you need to do it 
because it gets harder and harder and harder. So more exertion, more exhaustion, more, more tiresome. This is the same thing that happens with the mind. And we are walking into this blindfolded. I need you to wake up. I need you to open your eyes and look at what's happening to you. The more you tighten it, the more you feel you can tighten it. You can, you can go a little bit more. You'll always keep telling yourself. But the more you do it, the more it's going to be strained, the more it's going to be stressed, and it's going to snap at one point. So really, you can't give me any reasonable answers to why you did these things. In doing these things, you only made the problem worse. <clears throat> Remember, ignorance and attachment is what vexes the mind. Seeking for an imaginary pleasure. Seeking an imaginary pressure. Not pressure, but pleasure. Seeking an imaginary pleasure. The mind will keep going forth. Keep searching for it. And when you do any one of these things, it will experience it for at least a brief moment. Which will go back to confirm, oh yes, what I thought was right. And now you'll want to do more of that. Always more of the same, more of the same, and more of the same. But each time, it's like a, a man who's thirsty, being fed or drinking, voluntarily, salty water. Every sip you take only makes the problem worse, only makes matters worse. So think about that child that I talked to you about, our Swami cousin. Think about the environment in which he might have grown up and the wrong views that he would have been exposed to. Whenever he was suffering, whenever he was angry, crying, sorrowful, you know, his mother would have given him what he had asked for. Whatever she could afford, she would have given him. And whenever given, that now becomes the status quo. And now from there on, you need something more. It's always like that, folks. Please go back into your lives and ask yourselves, wasn't, it, wasn't that the case? Were you, were you ever happy with what you got until, until you got the Dhamma? Because it's, it's virtually impossible for the mind to be happy. You know, we can explain that. It's a, very, it's a wonderful and perfect explanation as to why the mind can never be made content by feeding what the mind asks for. Because every time the mind is fed what it wants, this imaginary sense of self and the sense of self is, is, is further proven to the mind. So this is a false proof to the mind that this, this separation has happened, therefore giving it this sense of pleasure as well as whatever the object that was used to achieve that is a source of pleasure. This ignorance, this, this, this falsehood is also, again, attested. And the mind continues to believe this. So therefore, it is impossible. 
So much so that the Buddha was really an anomaly in this series. You know what an anomaly is? When something does not fit the equation, it does not work. It, it was, it's an unexplainable event that shouldn't have happened. It's so much so. It, it, the Buddha is something like that. The Buddha shouldn't have happened. Technically speaking, something like that is impossible because it's a perfect system. It's a perfect system. The Buddha became the Buddha through the onset of a wisdom with which that mind was able to see what was actually going on. That is a miracle. That's a miracle. Miracles don't happen every day. That's why they're called miracles. They don't happen every day and they can't be explained. Of course, a Buddhahood can be explained. I'm not saying that it's something, you know, unexplainable. It can. But what I'm saying is it's, it's really an anomaly. In this system, there is no room for something like a Buddha. Of course, it is merit that brings forth a Buddha. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about why it is without listening to the Dhamma. Why is it that without the absorption of Dhamma, the mind will never be able to see the truth behind what's going on. You know, if you were born wearing glasses, colored glasses, and if you never knew that you had glasses on, right? why would you be inclined to take them off? Would you be inclined to take off a pair of glasses you didn't know you had on? <laughs> huh? Take off a pair of glasses you didn't know you had on? Madam, take off your glasses. If I ask the gentleman to take off your glasses, and the gentleman go, I'm not wearing glasses on. Exactly. Because when the mind does not know, it's ignorant. That is ignorance. So how does one break out of ignorance? It's a real catch-22. It's the perfect plot. The perfect trap. Is the perfect catch. Only an anomaly can point out that there's a flaw in the system. Only an anomaly. That anomaly is the flaw. That anomaly is the flaw in the system. So ask yourself. We've all done these things. Hmm? You've been on a trip, baked a cake, have a pet. Why have you done these things? And ask yourself, how many of these things have you done how many times? None of those times was it enough. Because you weren't addressing the real problem. You know what? Shame on you. Let me answer this question for me. Do you remember? At school. If ever you got a low mark. Maybe it was a class test or some assessment, right? Or maybe if you had siblings and there was always a bit of a competition among yourselves, right? When you had a low mark at school or if you were not never good at something or maybe if you drew pictures like I, do, I draw today. Huh? You know my art? Yeah? You didn't want other people seeing that. 
Yeah, maybe if you got a low mark, maybe you know if you were say poor at math, for instance. Okay, if you were weak at math or science or something like that, and everyone else in the class was was good at it, and you know people, your teachers praised those who got good marks, right? Whenever you got a, a low a low score, you were you were embarrassed about it, right? Because you didn't want other people to find out that you were weak. Fair enough. Yeah, that's why when you, that's why you, you you don't want anyone hear you sing, and that's why you only do it in the shower, hmm? or that's why you don't want people seeing your art. That's why I only do it in sermons, huh? because you have to sit there and not not criticize me, because huh? I'm the preacher and you're the listener. You have to listen to what I say, not the other way around. So this is a liberty that I take. Only only on Saturdays do I draw pictures. Saturday mornings, never do I draw pictures <laughs> outside of this space. Lest I get ridiculed and mocked. So this is a feeling of shame that we have, right? When we know that we've done something wrong, shame. When we know that we've been weak, when we know that we got the wrong answer to something, right? Our sense of uh, self-esteem doesn't allow us, doesn't permit us to exhibit, put on display our weaknesses. There's a, there's a sense of self-esteem that always gets in the way of that. Yes or no? All agree? Yeah? Okay. I'm not talking about Arahans. I'm talking about normal people like you and I. Okay? We have a sense of shame about us, don't we? That we don't like to, you know, a simple example, you know, we've all been there. Like, you know, when you hear that, <laughs> when you hear that noise, hmm? and then you turn around and go, Tommy, how dare you when there are visitors at home? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, yeah? Embarrassment. That's why when you go into the washroom, you turn on the tap in case someone hears you. Because those are noises no one should have to hear. Embarrassment. Not things you should be embarrassed by. These are natural things. What you should be embarrassed by is what I'm about to say next. So it's okay to fart and be embarrassed about that huh? and tell the dog off for doing that. But it's okay to do these things. Shame on you. If you're if you're pointing your finger at the dog, if you're if you're if you're you know blaming the dog for what you've done, right? Then next time someone asks, "Did you have a party?" No, I didn't. The dog did. <laughs> because this is true embarrassment. You know, the only reason, the only reason you can keep a straight face, right, and stand here or sit here and 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 listen to me go through all this is because you all do it. You know, I don't know how they do it in Sri Lanka, but you know, those countries, yeah, when you go to the gym, right? In the men's, again, I don't know other countries or other cultures or how they do it, but in the men's, when you go to the gym, right, everyone's naked. Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's a fact of the day. <laughs> okay, interesting facts from around the world. 
Okay, so in the men's, it's it's generally considered okay, and that's, that's how people are because you know they don't look at what <laughs> you know, they don't go inspecting other people. That's not what they're there for. You, they go to the gym, they do they get their workout, and then they go to the shower room, undressed, take a shower, and then they you know go about their day to day, right? But you would never be naked on the street, would you? Or outside the washroom, on the gym floor? You wouldn't do that. Why? Because you'd be the odd one out. So when everyone is naked, then nakedness seems to be okay. So why is it okay to have a party? Because everyone's having a party. So it's okay that I'm doing something that is meaningless. It's okay that I'm doing something nonsensical. It is okay that I'm doing something useless because everyone is doing something useless. Everyone is doing something meaningless. Everyone is doing something nonsensical, insensible. So it's okay. How many parties have you had in your life so far? How many trips have you been on? I, as I ask you this question, I ask these questions of myself first, ladies and gentlemen, because it comes to my mind before it comes out my mouth. So I have to answer that question first before I ask you that question. How many pets have you had? We had a big thing at home, in my lay home, about having pets. That was a big thing. How many have you done? How many have you done? How many have you done? How many are you thinking of doing? These are but few examples, but few examples of the very many things that you have done in your lives, which you know today, hopefully, are meaningless. It's okay to do them because every other Tom, Dick and Harry is doing it. Because when you're in a mental asylum, it's okay that you're running around, right? Naked. Huh? It's okay that you're running around screaming and jumping up and down, waving your arms in the air hmm? and doing frog jumps. It's okay. It's okay that you're jumping on your bed or rolling on the floor. Or if you're just swirling around or eating mud. It's okay, isn't it? When you're in a mental asylum. Hmm? Because everyone around you Seems to be doing it. So it's all right. You have to fit in. But is it really okay? Because, you know, after all, folks, you know, it's every man slash woman for himself slash herself. It's not okay that we do things because everyone else does it. So in other words, what you're saying is it's okay that I'm suffering because everyone else is suffering. Really? You know, those days, my mother is good now, but those days I used to tell her, you know, get send Manli here as well, Amma. You know, what's the point? Why is he out there? Apparently he's doing a good job now. I'm supposed to be happy about that. Hmm? Apparently he's doing well for himself and he's about to buy his second house. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. They did. That's going to stay. 
I'm just going back. So, you know, I, I've been telling her now she's now she's good. Now she listens to me. But those days she used to say, "But Swaminas, you know, if everyone did what you are saying, then how would the world go on?" She would always find herself arguing me with me, arguing with me on this point. On this point, you know, if everyone did that. Then who would give you arms? See how far the, the corrupt mind is willing to go to fight its corner and to fend for itself. She used to ask me this question: If everyone came and ordained Swaminarayan, so who would offer you arms? You'd all go hungry. I said, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Don't send my leaf. You know, the irony is, she's talking to me, trying to defend something that is never going to happen. Okay? But her argument is something that is never going to happen. <laughs> See? You know, poor mother. Because her mind, when she wants something, and back then, you know, she didn't want Malik doing the same, but... I think now she's, uh, as I think I said before, you know, if she had 500 children, she would give them all up, she says. Now Mali is not interested, but hopefully in the future. But in any case, I, she, she, back then, that mind didn't, didn't really, yeah, it, it couldn't reason. It didn't, it didn't like the fact that, you know, I had made this choice. Because no Dhamma, simple, simple as that. Because that mind, hmm, just like, most parents thought that success, prosperity, right, is wealth, property, family, children, wife, husband, right, prestige, honor, titles, degrees, all that. That's what they used to think. And so that's what they fought for. That's what they argued for. But I can no longer do these things, folks. I just can't. I don't want to have a pet. Not because I hate pets. These are not things I hate. Because, you know, hate can be the opposite of love. Right? That's usually how people switch. Right? You either love them or you hate them. It's not a case of that. It's, like, it's because these are useless. Essenceless. They serve no essence. They don't achieve, they don't help me achieve what I want. I know that this is not an answer. This is only an answer to one question, and that question is not having a pet. This is the answer to that. This is only the answer to not having a cake. As in, if you don't have a cake, then baking a cake is the answer. But this is not the answer to I want to eat cake. You see there's a difference? If you draw this on a, on a line, on a timeline, right? If you do this on a timeline, firstly, this is where you start, okay? Here, at this point, you don't want anything. At this point, you want the cake. At this point, you don't have the cake. At this point, you have the cake, okay? 
So, having the cake is the answer to not having a cake, not, not, not wanting a cake. This is only the answer to this, not this. The answer to this is this. See, where do people stop in life when they on their pursuit of answers, solutions to problems? They always stop here. But they never go to the root. If I were to draw this the other way around, you know, this is like a tree, and you have the roots underneath. So every time they chop it, they chop it somewhere here. This is as far as they will go. The, if you have more, if you have, if you are wealthy, if you are well connected, right? If you if you have a good standing in society, then you can go right up to here, to the last grain of sand. You can go that far, but not any further, because to go beyond this, you have to step into another dimension, an entirely new dimension. So it's pointless that you cut it out here, because guess what? Look at it next week. And it'll have grown all the way back. Pointless. That's why these things are meaningless. That's why these things are useless. I want you to understand this. You can understand this. I'm sure you can. This, this is not, this is not you know, rocket science. This is basic logic. Anyone with half a brain cell can understand this. Can't you? You can understand this, I'm sure you can. You know, from the young ones to the elderly ones, you can all understand this. Look at all these solutions that we've had taken in life. These are some of the things you've done in your life. You see how far back you went? Did you go all the way back to where the problem was uprooted? You didn't go back to the roots. You always stopped halfway and therefore, from that point forward, it started growing again. And then we came up here, right? Then again, so this is as far as you could go. Yeah, you you don't don't have it, because after you have it, then that that gets consumed. Right. So if you bake a cake, you have to eat it, right? So the cake gets consumed, and you go back to I don't have a cake. Right. And then again, now you still don't you want a cake now? You still want the cake, but you're back to don't have the cake. So what do you do now? Bake another cake. All right. So you bake a cake. Work hard. So this requires a lot of effort. Right? And this is where I said, when the mind wants something, it'll go to any length. Now the good gentleman asked, what about Vipaka? This is what happens. When the mind wants something, this wanting is here. Right? And don't have it is the problem. It appears to be the problem. So now, the mind is trying to find a solution to not having it, not having the cake, when actually the real problem is wanting the cake. This wanting the cake is going to attract Vipaka, from the pool of Vipaka that is accessible to this mind base, it's going to attract the, the, from, the, uh, the, from the pool of Vipaka, those Vipakas which will help this to happen, that is a cake to come into being. That's why I said the other day, look around you and all you'll see are things that the mind wanted or the mind wants. If not for the mind, these things wouldn't exist. The mind is the creator. In fact, wanting is the creator. Because the mind's job, folks, is simply to, you know, the mind is a process. Try and see, try and not think about the mind as a thing. 
think of the mind as a process like cooking is that a thing no, not like you know is that a thing these days <laughs> that's not what i mean right yeah is it is it an object cooking no cooking is not an object showering watching tv tv is an object but watching is you know these are these are not objects. these are processes right the mind that's why when you say the mind that's the problem mind is a process and the process is minding minding is the process so what does the mind do is those five things we've talked about in the past it's simply a process so that process that process is the result of vipaka and those vipakas are attracted are attracted by the mind's want so this is a strong force that attracts various types of vipaka when the wanting diminishes or when the wanting changes like you say you know one party can change the course of life for many people right because different wanting start creeping into the mind when you sit in front of the tv for half an hour you are a different person to the person who sat down in front of it half an hour ago you are a different mind base a different mind base because that mind has been has been altered the wants have been altered the needs have been altered desires have been altered vexation has been altered and therefore the mind's path is now different the mind is vexing for different things go and spend half an hour on the phone with a friend you'll come out of that wanting different things and there are plenty of times where you decided to go on a trip after speaking to a friend on the phone hmm? or maybe you switched on that email yeah you opened up outlook because you wanted to address your you know something to do with work and there came a newsletter on there there was a picture of hawaii tell me where did you go on holiday after that as close to hawaii as you could possibly get because when the mind wants something please think of it like a like a magnet being switched on think of it like a magnet when the mind switches on it's just processing processing whatever comes to it but when this magnet switches on now that mind base has been defiled and therefore it attracts a certain kind of vipaka it is very particular about the vipaka that it attracts that is why for instance say beetle leaves right if you find this bitter okay if you find it isn't that vipaka this bitter taste will be vipaka what you could do is if the mind didn't like it because say someone said oh if if it's if it's bitter what you can do is maybe someone says you know add some sugar something something sugar you can apply some jam or something on it someone might say okay something sugary now if the mind wishes to experience that now this new wanting has come in it wasn't there until then it may be that that jar of jam is in your cupboard 20 meters away in your kitchen and you're in the living room now that mind is able to attract all this vipaka from the universal set of vipaka just the right amount of vipaka to get you from where you are to the kitchen 20 meters away and open the cupboard take out that bottle of jam right or open the fridge take that bottle of jam get the butter knife right and start applying that on it all of this is vipaka it is all vipaka everything is vipaka in the end all of it is vipaka but certain patterns of vipaka are attracted towards a mind that takes a, a particular nature 
and that nature can be altered by as we discussed last week you know how habits are formed and so on right by the drushti by what you experience and that drushti then going on to create attachment in the mind these wants but you see even if you did that right even if you did that so say someone said you know if you don't like the bitter you can apply some sugar on it and then it'll won't be bitter it'll be a better better taste it'll it'll taste nice that's how you do it so now that wanting has has happened so but you don't have it because the beetle leaf is just there without the sugar so now you walk into the kitchen walking into the kitchen is all vipaka that's all vipaka right but that vipaka is now only drawn because of this wanting had this wanting not come that vipaka would have stayed wherever it was it would not have manifested a different kind of vipaka might have so you know if you were able, if you like the bitter now the going to the kitchen vipaka is not going to be drawn but that kind of vipaka may be there so the only way we can confirm the existence of a certain kind of vipaka is actually when it happens unless of course you can you know see the vipaka pool of and see what all the possibilities and variants are that is only something that is visible to a buddha who can see what kind of vipaka is about to happen but we don't need to we don't need to you know learn or find out about that because you know it would be nice if you could right so then you can avoid like if you say for instance say for instance if you went up and asked someone for something and they were about to hit you now you could have not asked for it but i don't believe that the buddha walked around checking what the vipakas are he only did it when there was a need for it when there was a need to help someone free themselves from suffering that's when he did it he didn't just walk around always looking at what vipakas are about to happen because that requires a focus on that you need to focus on you know exploring that that vipaka pool and see what vipakas are about to happen and how that cause and effect principle will bring about and manifest certain kinds of vipaka you can you know you can avoid and you do avoid certain kinds of vipaka by taking a, a certain courses of action that's why when you go out you take an umbrella don't you avoid a certain kind of vipaka by doing that because getting wet in the rain is a vipaka getting wet in the rain that is also a what that is also a vipaka what about if you go out without any footwear right now you might cut your 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 feet you might step on something right some sharp object maybe right and these are all vipaka but what about the 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 rubbery surface of your slipper is that also not a vipaka that is also a vipaka now have you not been able to attract a certain kind of vipaka you can you can and that happens when the mind is indoctrinated a certain way and the mind does not desire to experience pain therefore the mind using the knowledge that it has can free itself from pain and it's perfectly fine to do that so you don't need to live your life you know having succumb to vipaka is not a case of oh well i'll just let anything happen to me no 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 that is not what the nature of an arahant is then why does the arahant go on arms round 
because the arahant could simply say well you know it's all vipaka hunger is also vipaka and the gastric juices and all that is also vipaka the acid is now going to go and it's going to burn my intestines and it's also vipaka so let me just be like that yeah, he doesn't do that when the arahant gets a headache he goes and goes and gets some medicine right when he's cold he'll walk and go inside his kuti if he wants some fresh air he'll walk outside the kuti right so you are able to attract the kind of vipaka that you desire why are you here because you want to attract a certain kind of vipaka if you didn't have this vipaka sir you wouldn't be here today even if you wanted to if you didn't have this vipaka even if you wanted to you wouldn't be here today there are some people who wish to be here to listen to this sermon they'll be tuning in online but they don't have the vipaka to be here they don't have the vipaka to experience the the surface of that chair on their backside they don't have the exp- they don't have the experience to listen to this actually they are not listening to my voice are they they are listening to a speaker vibrate the air around it you are also listening to the vibrations of air but at least this is this is how i sound how do they know if this is how i sound perhaps you know that sound is doing something to tweak the voice who knows but because that is devi parka they don't have the vipaka to come and eat the food at the monastery so it's not happening perhaps if they wanted to they could try whether those vipakas do exist for them that's why every action we take can change our course of life in paths unimaginable they can take completely diverse courses you know you and your spouse they lived different lives until you got together after that you know what happened would never have happened if they lived separately those were all vipakas you can't say they were meant to happen there is no such thing as something is meant to happen although we say it you know it's not there's no such thing as something's meant to happen what is meant to happen is what has happened that is what is meant to happen what has happened is meant to happen because what is about to happen next can be altered because it's always cause and effect not cause now effect later always cause and effect effect now is cause now effect next is cause next effect after that is cause after that whatever the causes are that manifests the effect so how did all these things happen these things happen because you were somewhere with someone doing something and an idea got into your mind that if you want to be happy this is one way you can be happy someone had a cake and said that someone bought a pet and said ah oh. someone went on a trip and said that hmm someone landed on the moon and said that these are all influences indoctrinations these are all capable of making a subtle change in your mind base that is why we have to be so careful about who we associate you have no idea folks how much people around you can influence you if you knew how much people could influence you okay <laughs> if you knew how much people could influence you you'd either come here or you'd sleep all day 
if you knew how much people can influence you. The postman influences you. The milkman influences you. The guy at the newspaper stall, he influences you. The TV adverts, they influence you. The billboards, they influence you. The shopkeeper influences you. No? Because every other thing they say is either this, either this, or either this, or this. Look at how your lives have been led because of the influences that you've had. Today you live the way you do because of all those influences. You know, so wouldn't you, if I were to ask, you know, how come you are where you are and who you are today? You know, immediately you say, because of my parents. My parents helped me get here. My friends helped me get here. My brother helped me get here. My grandmother, my grandfather, they helped me get here. Huh? My teachers helped me get here. What are you really saying? I was influenced. So are you simply not the resultant of all the influences that you have had in your life until this point? You are, right now, the net resultant of all the influences you have had this far. If, for instance, I was able to influence you to leave this room, two minutes ago you would have left. No, say, you know, I could have upset you, I could have annoyed you maybe, having said something. You know, if you were, if you were so annoyed, perhaps you would have gotten up and left the room. That was an influence. And if you had left the room, then that would have been the end of that. So the fact that you're still here means the influence is still strong enough to keep you here. So we need to be very careful and very mindful about what kind of vipaka we draw towards us because vipaka is everything. Vipaka is everything. What you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you sense, all of this is vipaka. What happens to you, whether you have, whether you're born with both arms and both legs or you're born handicapped. All of this is vipaka. And then from the moment of your birth to the moment of death, everything that happens in between, all of this is vipaka. What you hear is vipaka. What people say to you, this is all vipaka. You can, you can be empowered. You can choose your vipaka. You can choose your vipaka. By changing who you are. And that is what we try and do here. See, when you come here, to the monastery, I am not in the business of changing or altering your vipakas. Really, that's not what I'm, what I'm doing here. Have you, have you figured that? I'm not here to change your vipaka. I can't do that. What I'm doing is, I'm changing who you are. I'm influencing who you are. And if I can change you, then you change the kind of vipakas you attract. That is what's happening here. Absolutely, madam. The, yeah, because, you know, if you're in the, for, for a vipaka to manifest, right, you need to be in the right environment. So, for example, you know, if, if the lights went out, right, and if this was a dark room, maybe at night if the lights went out, then you wouldn't be able to see me, right? So, the presence of light in this room enables this sight, this sight to be seen. What vipaka does is it connects the eye with the object. That cannot happen if the right environment is not available. 
But the environment is something that we have little control over. But what we can change is our perspective, who we are, right, and how we feel and think about things. Because these are all drushti-based. These are all based on views. Those views can be altered. Because nothing else, if you try and change, is actually going to work. It's not a long-term fix. These are very, you know, you can say you didn't want to change your drushti. You just wanted to be whoever you are, right? Just think and believe in the same things and just go about doing your own business and hoping that one day you can be happy. It won't happen. That is why the Buddha comes into this world and teaches us an alternative, a different way of actually going about this the right way. Because there are people who attempted to exhaust their bad karma or their bad vipaka. And, 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 and try and achieve that as their, as their path to liberation. There are people who try to do that. Did it work? No, it didn't work. One of my colleagues who sat right next to me at work, his philosophy was that in order to free oneself from suffering, you have to indulge in sensuality. And he, he believed this wholeheartedly. So when I said, you know, I'm leaving and I'm, I'm going to... In fact, you know, when I first came, I, I said I was going to go away for six months. So I took a sabbatical for six months. And then it turned six months turned into six years, well, almost. Right? That's how it happened. I'm still on a sabbatical. <laughs> no, no. Honestly, I went back and told him I'm not coming anymore. <clears throat> so, But anyhow, you know, when I explained to this gentleman, you know, I'm, I'm going to try out something different. Right? And he said he, asked, he wanted me to explain to him what I was going to do. And I said, you know, in this philosophy that... I believe in, it talks about changing the way we think, ridding the mind of attachment. And to rid the mind of attachment, you've got to understand the truth about these things. Then, really the truth is you don't need to let anything go. You realize that you weren't holding on to anything in the first place. Beautiful, isn't it? So when I was explaining this to this gentleman, he said, well, that's not my philosophy. His was that he has to indulge in sensuality as much as possible, eat, drink, sleep, and all the rest of it, right? And that way, there comes a point, apparently, where the mind goes, right, that's it, I'm full, enough. We know that it's not possible. He thinks it's possible because he believes in a constant mind. That's why he thinks it's possible. Because there's a mind that has forever existed. This is the Atma. Hmm? He had some influences from that kind of philosophy, right? So he believed in, a, in, a, in, a, in an existing soul and he was trying to satisfy and fulfill his soul. So a soul exists and therefore he believes that the soul can be satisfied by indulgence. Because one point the soul, at one point the soul is going to say, all right, that's enough, I'm happy now. But we know that that cannot happen. It cannot happen because the mind that arises now is not the mind that arose a moment ago. So, so you, can't, you can't get away with satisfying a single mind because the next one that comes appears in the same mind base and if it's still defiled, then that mind is also defiled. So our, our job is to cleanse the mind base, not the mind itself, not the chitta, but the chitta base. And that is to be done with the mind. You know, as I, as I speak to you these words... Your mind processes this. In fact, it's wrong to say your mind processes this, but rather this, this, this is processed. Right? Technically speaking, these words, these ideas are processed. And this, this, this processing is able to cleanse the mind base. The mind is a process that runs on that base. What that process can also do, 
given the right inputs, is cleanse the base as it runs. But that is optional. What most people do is it just carries on right on this mind base, and alongside that, right, this jati happens. That's what happens. You know, we talked about the rupa vedana. I'll, I'll talk about this in more detail to you maybe next week. If you remind me and ask me nicely, right? What what happens is, as the mind is processed, I'll stop saying as the mind is processed, as an object, okay, let's say that's the object, okay, it, it arrives on the, on the mind base, that's the mind base. This is a process from the moment of rupa or receiving, right? Receiving is a process, isn't it? Hmm? Receiving is a process, right? Receiving, then you have registering, then you have recognition, then you have responding, then you have perception, right? This is a process. When one of these iterations have run, you've said, you, you can say, the mind. So what is the mind? It is the execution of this process. That is the mind. So really, you know, this is a body and a process. That's what's happening. So in fact, if you think about the body as being energy, right? and energy and the interaction with matter, again, it's a process. So really, you are just a process. But how do you feel? I'm an entity. I'm an identity. Right? I'm an individual. I'm an I. Anna. Sorry, that's my Hindi. So this is a process. Alongside this process, though, another process runs. This is the defilement process. Because in the, and this happens because the mind base is defiled. This mind base is defiled. Because of this defiled mind base, another process runs in parallel. So you'll have heard in the you know the Buddha the Buddha says. Rupang rupattaya sankatang abhisankaranti. When the rupa is subject to abhisankar, English term being formation, I don't like that. But I can use that if when I say formation, you're thinking of abhisankar. Okay, because sankar is formation, abhisankar can also be formation, abhisankar. So, rupang rupattaya sankatang abhisankaranti. So, when rupa Try and understand what I'm trying to explain to you here, folks. Right? We have a few minutes, and I'm trying to get something gigantic into a few minutes. This is the process. The mind base wishes to experience a separation. Okay? When receiving happens, separation is not experienced. Okay? Separation cannot be experienced just because receiving happens. Registering happens. Separation cannot be experienced. Think of this separation as the experience of yourself. You, you feel as an individual, right? We all do, right? It does not happen simply because Receiving happens, or registering happens, or recognition happens, it doesn't happen. 
Because, you know, think about it. Recognition and the sense of self should be two different things, right? This is a duster. That is recognition. Self cannot be that. It cannot be that process, right? It has to be something else. So I'm trying to explain to you what that, how that something else happens. Rupan rupataya sankatang abhisankaranti. When rupa happens or when receiving happens, the mind or the mind base which wishes to experience an identity, a separation, a self, will attempt to experience that from this receiving or from this reception. It'll try to, it'll attempt to do that. But can it? It can't. Because this is not a source of separation. It does not give you that. It, all it does is receive. That's it. All it does is receive. But the mind is not satisfied with that because the mind wants to feel separate. The mind wants to feel an individual. So what the mind does is it starts to work on this. It starts to work on this like a, like a dog, a hungry dog with a bone. These are wonderful metaphors or similes even. Like a hungry dog with a bone. You know, throw the dog a bone. And what does the dog do? It will start chewing on it. Right? In the hope of flesh. So it choose once, flesh, no flesh, but only the hope of flesh and the scent of flesh and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, time, you know, the, 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 the sense of flesh, uh, flesh, or maybe, maybe a small taste of flesh, but still no flesh. So the dog chews again and it chews again. So it's still, we are still on the receiving stage. Okay. So it keeps on chewing until the dog hurts its own mouth. Because now the bone fragments have started to hurt the inside of the dog's mouth, right? So it's now injured on the inside. And now the blood that starts to seep from the dog's mouth, the dog begins to taste. And now it thinks it's found flesh. So it's feasting on, on itself, on its own flesh and blood. And all the while, the dog thinks, Yoo-hoo. I managed to find myself a good meaty bone. This is what happens. The mind, the moment receiving happens in this stage, the mind goes to work at it. So imagine this is receiving. Okay. So I'm I'm trying to, uh, you know, help you imagine this. Right. Imagine this is receiving. This is the first stage of that process. It's not an object. Please understand that, okay? This is a step, a stage in the process. That happens because this is, the mind is, this is simply energy. So this is, all of this is happening within energy, okay? So the moment receiving happens, right? The mind attacks this. Think of it like that. Have you seen those uh, animations where, you know, when the, the coronavirus, right? And how it attaches to the body cells and attacks it and so on, right? So if you've seen those recently, then you'll remember what I'm talking about, right? Now the mind attacks this, this, this receiving in the hope of experiencing this separation. So now it, it attacks and tries to do whatever it can to this, to experience that. But you can twist it, turn it, rock it, shake it, do whatever you want to it, but it's not going to give you a sense of separation because there is no separation in this to give. It does not have that to offer. What it doesn't have, it cannot offer simply because it doesn't have it. 
So you can beg, try to borrow or steal and it ain't going to give you that. But you can keep, be hopeful and that is what the mind is, ever hopeful. So the mind goes to work and it, come on, give me, give me, give me, is what the mind's going on saying. And he wants it so bad that the mind goes insane. Because there's only one thing that is capable of going insane and that is the mind, isn't it? The mind goes insane. That insanity now gives the impression that actually separation has happened. That is the feeling that you experience right now as an individual. That happens right here. So Rupan Rupattaya. At this moment, right alongside this moment, you feel a sense of separation. And what happens next? Now you move on to the, uh, what is this? Registering, right? Vedana. Vedana, Vedanattaya. Sankatanga Bisankaranti. It goes to the next stage in the process. Now the mind wants to, still, this happens automatically. Nothing to interfere, nothing to do, especially because this is all Vipaka. The Vipaka process drives this. There's plenty of energy in the Vipaka to drive this right from here to completion. That is what Vipaka is. And once this process has happened, now Vipaka simply disappears. That energy goes back into wherever. We don't need to worry about that just yet. So there is enough energy to drive this process. But what there isn't energy is to drive this process. That is why the mind itself has to generate this. That is the new energy that goes back as another Vipaka. So the mind is capable, the mind is, a, is, a, is, a, is an energy source. The mind is able to generate energy. That's why I say all these things you see around you folks. Huh? This is all energy generated by the mind. This was never here before a mind came here. The sun, the moon, the planets, the stars, the oceans and everything in between. These are all creations of the mind when the mind tried to do this. This and this alone. Because if it wasn't for karma, ignorance and attachment, only the top part of this would have happened. A clean, pure mind base would have been something like this. Right? And receive, register, recognize, respond, perceive. That's the end of that. That Vipaka energy, just, you know, it just disappears. Dis dis what's the word? Uh, disperses. It just disperses because it's done its purpose, right? And now it just disperses. But the mind is not enough. It's not, that is not enough for the mind base. The mind base has been deluded, yeah? And it's, now it's been hijacked, right? By ignorance and attachment. And it, it yearns for that feeling of separation. So this is the defiled mind. Now, we are at the receiving stage. Sorry, we are now at the registering stage. And again, Vedana, Vedanattaya, Sankatanga, Bisankaranti. And look at the, 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 you know, the way in which the Buddha preaches this. Vedana, Vedanattaya. In other words, Vedana is Vedana. But Atta is the sense of separation. So Vedana can be separated. Is Vedana, Vedanattaya. This is an ignorance. It's not a thing, it's, it's the belief that the mind has. Vedana, Vedanattaya. Or you can say that it's a verb, it's what the mind does. Okay, Vedana, Vedanattaya, Sankata, Abhisankaranti. So this is the Sankata, this is the conditioned thing, right? 
So it's therefore it's anicca, it's conditioned. But what the mind does not, the mind does not believe in that. So the mind goes to work on Vedana. Again, if this was Vedana, the mind attacks it in the hope of trying to, in, in the hope of achieving this sense of separation, this feeling of a self. And is it possible? Of course not. Because Vedana's purpose is not Vedana's purpose is not to give you a sense of separation. Vedana's purpose is Vedana. That's it. Vedana's purpose or this, this registration's purpose is registration. Happened. That's it. Happened. Happened. That's what Vedana does. Not self. 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 No. Happened. That's Vedana. But that's not what the mind wants. Mind wants happened to me <laughs> happened to me received by me huh? recognized by me responded by me perceived by me that's what the mind wants but this me 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 business is not there because the mind minds its own business until the hijack happens so once the hijacked once the mind has been hijacked now again tanya Sanyattaya, Sankatang, Abhisankaranti. Sankara, Sankarattaya, Sankatang, Abhisankaranti. Vinyana, Vinyanattaya. That's a Vinyana Attaya. Vinyana is Vinyana. Perception is perception. But Atta, meaning it is separable. So we have, you know, we've talked about Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta. But what the mind believes is Atta. So Sanya, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vinyana, Atta. Separable. This is not subject to anicca. This is a separate thing. This is an entity. This is a this is an individualizing thing, right? So therefore, it can it can give it can give rise to it can lead to this sense of an individualized entity. And the, with with that belief in mind, the mind goes to work on it. It's like a pathogen. The mind goes to work on it, and the moment it trusts, it does that. Now the mind again goes insane. So you see. Throughout this process, what, has, what else has happened? Besides the receiving, registering, recognizing, responding and perceiving, something else has also happened. I, 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 I. Not a real I, but the sense of I. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. What, what is happening, sir, as I explain this to you, is your understanding of this. That is the cleansing process. Because, you see, the mind is not a fool. The mind is simply ignorant. Because the, because the mind doesn't know the truth. You know, like, like I said, you know, colored glasses, if you were born with colored glasses, why would you take them off to see the world in another color? You don't know about the, another, the world in another color. It's because we don't know about anatta. It's because we don't know about dukkha. It's because we don't know about anicca. That is what the Buddha comes into this world to preach, right? Nahi silena vatang hotu upadjanti tatagata attakaratini pada sambuddhena pakasita. That is what the Buddha comes into this world to preach. Anicca, dukkha, and anatta. It is our lack of understanding of, of what, what Rupa really is. See, in this example, the answer to your question should be obvious, sir. The mind believes that this rupa is atta. 
Isn't that what it, why it tries to do this? So if the mind is now, being, if the mind can now be cleansed, if the mind can be taught afresh, right, out with the old, in with the new, learn, understand and comprehend that this rupa is anatta, then why would you try to do that? Why would the mind attempt to do that? The mind attempts to do this because it believes that separation is possible. Separation exists. What exists, what is possible is pleasurable. So now, because it's pleasurable, because, you know, something can't be pleasurable if it doesn't exist. Right? Yeah. Because, because separation is possible. The mind believes that separation is possible. It believes that this identity that you all experience, ladies and gentlemen, is a real thing. It does not know that this is a delusion. It's because the mind is ignorant of this that the mind continues to be hopeful, to expect this. So what happens is, as I say, what comes from Vipaka is not a self or even a sense of self. What comes from Vipaka are the five aggregates. And when these five aggregates occur, these, these processes happen, these, these stages of the process happen each time the mind, hopeful, ever hopeful, of experiencing a separation works on it. it this is the Abhisankara. The mind has extra work to do. You know, it's like when they bring you your food, right, at the restaurant. If you, They bring you the condiments, right? You can add your salt if you want. You can add some pepper. Huh? That is what the mind does. The mind adds its own salt and pepper because it doesn't like what just came in. Yes. Because, you know, it's like, it's like when you're at the restaurant and you don't like how it tastes, you want to add your salt, your pepper, and maybe your chili powder, whatever, to make it spicy, uh, salty, peppery, right? The mind does the same thing. The mind is not happy to accept the dish as it arrived. So it, it does its own chefing. The chef has already done all the hard work to bring it to you. But now you are your own chef. So now you have to make it, you have to change it, you have to, you know, adjust it to your own, to your, and, and the sauces, right? You have to adjust your and your ketchup, right? You want to adjust it to your own liking. That is what the mind does. This is the salting process. This is the adding pepper. These are the condiments that get added to it. So the moment it happens, when Rupa comes in, now it, it senses the sense of self. Then goes Avedana, Sanya, Sankar, Vinyan. And, and, and on, in each of these moments, you can see this sense of self has remained continuously throughout the process, you know, right from start to when this process, in that, in that process of the mind, okay, in that mind process, so the mind is the process here, right, for as long as that process, from start to end, the sense of self has prevailed, because the mind always wanted that sense of separation, that is what the mind wanted, right from the start, the mind came into being, because it wanted that, that's why without ignorance, the mind wouldn't have come into being, but the mind is not capable of sensing a separation because it is inseparable. Only through insanity, only when the mind goes insane, only when the mind is corrupted can the mind experience a sense of self. But the mind didn't know that when it first came into being. Yeah, You know, this is torture, folks. You know, you feel like you're okay now, right? Just think about it for a moment. No, my last words for today. Just think about it for a moment. You know, when you, some days you wake up in the morning and you have a splitting headache. 
Right? If you are hungry, you feel uncomfortable. If you want to run to the toilet, you feel uncomfortable. Right? If you're not sit, if you're not sat down comfortably, you know you adjust yourself and you make yourself comfortable. Right? But when you're feeling comfortable, you feel like nothing's wrong. Right? No headache. You know, on the days where you feel lovely day today, on the days you felt like that, the sun is shining. Huh? Nice weather. No aches, no pains, just a lovely day, just a lovely feeling. Isn't it wonderful to be alive on their days you felt like that? All the while, this is happening. All the while, this is happening. How ignorant, how deluded. Because the mind goes insane every time it comes into being. Every single time. But it's okay, why? Because everyone else is. Like that. <laughs> That's why only when you come into the presence of Aryans, when you come into the presence of Arahants, do you begin to realize, this is not right. This is not okay. Something has to change. It's not fine to just carry on like this. I'm insane. I need to fix myself. Why do I do this to myself? You know, this is self-torture. You have one responsibility to yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you have a responsibility as a good citizen to your country. Yes, okay, I'll accept that. Huh? You have to cast your vote. You have to, you know, you have to clean the, keep your, your, your surroundings clean and tidy and all that. Okay, I understand. As a good citizen, you have these duties and responsibilities. As a good parent, you have duties and responsibilities to your children. As a child, you have a responsibility to your mother, to your father, to look after them when they're old, when they're feeble, when they can't look after themselves. As a teacher, you have a responsibility to your, your students. As a student, you have a responsibility to your teachers. Yes, I get that. But what about the responsibility that you have to yourself? Who does that? Who does that? I'm here to do that. That's what I'm here to do. To fulfill my responsibility to myself. Because throughout this sansara, throughout this sansara, we have gone about doing our duties and responsibilities to all the others who have been around us. I'm not saying they shouldn't be done. They should be done, yes. But remember, there's one person who's always left behind. Poor, poor you. Who looks after you? You look after your children, you look after your wife, you look after your husband, you look after your teachers, you look after the next door neighbor's dog when they go on holiday. Who looks after you? You know, unless you do something to rid your mind, clean your mind, cleanse your mind of these defilements, Every time you hear a sound, every time you see a sight, every time you smell something, every time you taste something, jati happens. The mind goes insane. Every time receiving happens, the mind attacks it, works on it to try and create a sense of self. Why? Because rupa, rupa Rupa is atta. So the mind believes. Rupa is nicha. So the mind believes. Rupa is sukha. So the mind believes. So the moment rupa comes, now the mind goes into insanity. Mode, and then the 11 great fires come out of that. I'll explain to you how the 11 great fires are as a result of that in you know, another day. How the moment jati happens, why it leads to uh, frustration, why it leads to grievance, why it leads to sorrow. Now there's a beautiful connection between all of these things and now we can understand this. I'll, I'll, I'll say it very briefly and, and I'll conclude it there, otherwise I'll get kicked out. You need to do the Buddha Puja. 
You know, being departed from your loved ones is sorrowful, right? It's a grief. Right? It's something that you will all have faced and it's something that you will all have to face at some point in your life. Not true. Not true. You will all have faced, but not you will all have to face. You will not have to face it if you realize that there is not really anyone for you to be departed from. Right now, you might be a mother, you might be a father, you might be a husband or a wife, right? And maybe you're, you're, uh, the person that you love is poorly. Maybe they're weak, maybe they're old, maybe they're frail, maybe they've got cancer. Maybe they've only got a few more years left, maybe a few weeks, days, hours left. Okay, now I'm talking about the obvious death. There's also the other, you know, maybe they're going to get married and go away. They're going to leave you behind, right? Or maybe they're going to run away, right? Now, you, you, you have to now face this problem of being departed, distance from your loved ones. Analyze that for a second. Where were the loved ones to be departed from? <laughs> huh? Just think about it, folks. Where were loved ones to be departed from? If all there is is Vipaka, and if all there is is Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, and Vinyana, if all there is is sights, sounds, smells, taste, touch, everything else, this loved one that you feel you're going to be departed from, is a fabrication of your own mind. Get it. Yeah. When you have that sense of self, sir, everyone, even the people outside, become identities. Because this is a separation, you see. The mind is in the habit of separating. So as you feel that you are a separate individual, you can't now leave bundles of Rupa as bundles of Rupa. You have to see them as a person. You can't stop yourself from doing that. Because the mind feels that it's a separate individual, now it, it, it projects individuality, sentient beingness to aggregates, to collections of mind and body. It, it projects individuality. It projects, this is my uncle, this is my aunt, this is my mother, this is my father, this is my husband, my wife, my children. This is my girlfriend, this is my ex-girlfriend. This mind was only just born. What's it talking about an ex-girlfriend? Now do you see why people suffer? What is grief if not for the loss of a loved one or a loved thing that you thought you had? <laughs> I mean, come on, folks, free yourselves. Please get this. Allow this Dhamma to sink into your lives and, and clean you and free you and liberate you. You're suffering for no reason. You don't have to suffer because we have the Buddha. We have the Dhamma. We have the Sangha. Free yourselves. Don't just go about life suffering because you don't have to. You can stop it here. You can stop it now. Here's the key. Open it. Come out. Get out of the prison that you have built for yourselves. Why do you torture yourselves like this? Why do you put yourselves through this? 
Why are you just simply waiting for time to take away all the loved ones in your life and leave you distraught? Why do you allow time to come and just take away all every shred of happiness in your life? When you can do something about it. This is the Dhamma, this is the truth. Understand it, bear it, practice it and free yourselves. It's free. I don't charge you for this. I should. <laughs> but I can't. Because I couldn't give a price to this. You know, people, motivational speakers, they, they stand on a stage and they charge $30,000 for a speech, a three-hour speech, $30,000. How much would you pay for a Guru Hamdur sermon? Hmm? Not all of you together can afford that. For five hours he'll talk at a stretch. Each word meant for only one thing. To free you from suffering. Nothing else. Not with the hope that you will offer arms. No, we are quite fine going out to arms. All we need is one meal a day. <laughs> That's enough. Not in the hope that you will offer us robes. Not in the hope that you will give us shelter. None of this is for us, really. This is all for you. We build this library for you. We build a Dharma hall for you. We are building a rehabilitation for whom? For us? No, I'm already receiving my rehabilitation. My teacher's looking after that. Thank you very much. But there are people out there who are addicted to things more than this. First we have to break them from that. Then we have to break them from this. This is all for you. So come and take it. There can't be a better and a bigger gift in life than this. This gift is to set you free. The one thing that you haven't done for yourselves. In your positions as respectable right, and, and educated people in society, you will have done everything you can for others. Now it's time to do something for yourselves. If you don't do this for yourselves, folks, you will die, you'll be born again, and then the story will simply continue. Because the universe has no plans to set you free. Because you have to be here for this world to carry on. Good and bad is what makes this world. So either you're good or you're bad, it's fine. Good or bad, both are fine. <laughs> because they must both exist for this world to carry on. There's only one thing that has forever existed. And that is this system. The way the world works, this universe, it has always been there. Buddhas come in from time to time to settle this balance, to reconcile. They'll do it and they go. That's it. It's down to each and every one of us. If we love ourselves, we owe it to ourselves to free ourselves from this. You won't hear these words forever. Either you will go or I will go. While you can still hear it, Listen to it, bear it, practice it, and free yourselves. I speak with such, such passion because I know this is what went wrong with all of us. I know that all these things you are doing, folks, you are doing because you are lost, because you are ignorant. You've been behaving like fools, tricking yourselves, going through unnecessary suffering. All the while you stopped here. 
when you should have gone all the way back to the root and uprooted it there. But who was there to show us the path? Who was there to teach us the truth? No one. But now we have it. Remember, two and a half thousand years have already passed us by. We only have half time left. In fact, less than that. Times are kicking. Right? Times are ticking. Your life is ticking by and the Dhamma will not be there forever. So while it's there, make use of it. I'm trying to give you a sense of urgency right? because it's not every day I, I, I talk to you in these words, but I'm trying to give you a sense of urgency because it's so obvious, so obvious, but yet still people will carry on doing these things. People will invite you to do these things. People will ask you to come along and do these things. And they, you know, they're just wasting your time. They're not bad people. They don't know what they're doing, but they're wasting your time. Now who's bad? I don't think it's them. If you've allowed someone to waste your time, if you've allowed someone to come and simply ransack your time, hijack your time and, and, and simply you know, ruin your life, they're not the bad guys. You don't have to go on Facebook. You choose to. So if you spend the last 20 years of your life on Facebook, don't blame Mark Zuckerberg for that. He only made it. You decided to go on it. I'll leave you with that for now. <clears throat> I don't mean to offend anyone. I hope you don't see it that way. I, but I, I do speak with passion because, because I know this is the answer. <laughs> I've been looking my whole life for an answer, folks. Oh, God. I've been looking my whole life for an answer. And now I found it. I will not let this pass me by. I will not anyone waste my time. Least of all myself. So, you know, in your lay lives, right? I know, I know there's only so much you can do, but please do whatever you can. If you can do, uh, if you can do 50, don't settle for 49. Do 50 and keep trying for 51. That's the way to do this. Because everything worldly is always a draw, a force drawing you back. It's always a force drawing you back. That's why the Buddha said this is an upstream battle. If you, if you stop doing nothing, it will simply take you with the gush. That's the way it is designed to be because the world is here for the existence of the world, not for the extermination of it. Right, let's take a moment then. To transfer all the merits that we have all acquired today by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds today. Listen. Let us remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching and with immense gratitude let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasakas and upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Lord Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage in the form of the Stipitaka, which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us transfer the merits we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha, present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. 
that has transferred merits to Guru Swami Nwansi as well as all the other monks residents at this monastery, as well as the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others, or inviting others to join them, and may, through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plane, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plane, may they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibban. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those of you who provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines, as well as those who have passed on their know-how and continue to extend their well wishes. May, through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, nephews, nieces, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who helped us, supported us and assisted us along the way by any way, shape or form. And by the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble laid-fold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to the Brahmas, Devas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Sambuddhasasana. Let us transfer merits to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may, through the power of these merits, they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to our ancestors who have predeceased us, and to all those who have been families, friends, and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara, and to those who have helped, supported, assisted us along the way. Let us transfer merits to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation and may all those who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe rejoice in the merits we have acquired today. Let us transfer merits to all those who have lost their lives to natural calamities such as the tsunamis and earthquakes, landslides, pandemics, forest fires and so on, reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in Sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to them. And may, through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, they redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble laid-fold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us resolve that may, through the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahants on this blessed land. And finally, may, by the power of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, you and I and everyone who's helped make this program a success, Become an Arahatun Vahanse, an Arahateranin Vahanse in this very life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all. The members of the Mahasangha will transfer their blessings to you now. Raga Ginnenidetnva Desha Ginnenidetnva Mohaginnamidatnva Nibbana parama sukhayan Sukhita taravetnva 
निबान परम सुखयन सुखित तार रत्ना ममद सियलु लोक सियलु सत्मयो निबान परम सुखयन सुखित तार निबान परम सुखयन सुखित तार निबान परम सुखयन सुखित तार राग गिनी निवेवा Sapa Labeva Nivan Sapa Labeva Nivan Sapa Labeva Tunduan Gay, Suisi Ananta Mahaguna Belen, Sidolok, Silo Satpeoma, Nibana Parma Sukin, Sukitaro, Sadu,